Guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open to two places. The first place is, is the book of John. That is the fourth book in the Bible, uh, the book of John. That's the uh, fourth book in the New Testament. So it's, it's the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other place I'm going to ask you to open up is 1 John, which is the fifth from the last book in the New Testament. So we're walking backwards. It's Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, and then 1 John. So uh, fourth book in the New Testament, and then fifth from the last book in the New Testament. We're going to be in those two places this morning as we continue our Advent study. And some of you haven't been with us, and so I'll just remind you, this thing called Advent, it started being practiced all the way back in the 5th century in churches. Uh, and, and, and basically the whole point of it, uh, the word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so it was established so that we could think and ponder about what Christmas is really all about when Jesus first came to earth. And the hope is that it stirs within us a desire to see him come again, right? For for his second coming, that we would long for that. And so um, for us, this Advent study has really been about the gospel. And so the very first week when we lit the first candle, the hope candle, we were in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. And that seems like a weird place to be, but it's there in Genesis chapter 3 uh, that theologians, they call that text the first gospel. And, and the reason is because on man's worst day, when sin and death enter the world, so does a promise of hope, a promise of a savior to come, right? And so that was week one. Now, week two, we shifted over and we were in the book of Ephesians um, chapter two, right? Ephesians chapter two, which I, I think is one of the best um, portraits of the gospel, who we are before Christ, what Christ has done for us. And we talked about the fact that Jesus in his flesh um, made the two one um, by, by, by literally destroying the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility so that both the far away, the Gentile, and the near, the Jew, could, could no longer um, be separated from God but could have a relationship with God. They could both live in a relationship with God. It's a recreation of that Genesis moment. And so we talked about um, that uh, the, the second week and how Jesus is our peace. Now, last week, we studied the proclamation of the angels to the shepherds in the field. They said, behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you and he is Christ the Lord. And we talked about that word proclaim and the word good news are the same word. It, it means the gospel. The angels showed up preaching the gospel, which is great joy to us. And it's great joy because Jesus is for us. Because the greatest gift ever given has our name on it. And so we determined collectively that we would not, um, this Christmas, hang our head in shame because we were outgiven. Because God gave us a better present than we could give him. We weren't going to feel guilty about it, but we were going to rejoice in that. And, and, and the goodness and the extravagant love of God. And so that just brings us to kind of the last Sunday of Advent, which, which I think um, when you hear the gospel proclaimed like that, when you begin to understand the gospel, it just creates within us one last question. That question is why? Why, God? Why all of this for me? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But before we do, we're going to have a word of prayer. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit to come to be our teacher and our guide? Father, thank you for loving us. Most of all, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our atoning sacrifice, to live the perfect life that we couldn't, to die on the cross in our place, to pay for our sin debt so that we might enter into a relationship with you again through faith in him. Holy Spirit, if there's anyone here that does not have that relationship with you, I pray today that they would hear this proclamation of good news and that it would do uh, a work in their heart. 
and that they would want to be born again. They would want to be born of your spirit. They would want to be your child and today that you would claim them as such. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and be our teacher and our guide. We pray that you would exalt and lift up Jesus Christ, that we might see him clearly, and that as you do that, that our hearts would be changed from the inside out, and that we would long for his glory. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. So, why? Why would God do all of this for us? Why, why would God work so hard to get us back? Why would God um, give so much for our sake? Why would God give his only son for you? For me? Right? That's the question. Why? And the Bible's very clear about the answer, ready? I mean, just straightforward in answering that question. The answer to why is simple. Because God loves you. Because God loves you. Why does God step out of heaven and into humanity willfully knowing that he was going to die in your place? Why would Jesus do that? Why would God allow that? Why would God allow his only begotten son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to to be mistreated and abused, beaten beyond human likeness according to Isaiah, nailed to a cross where he suffocates to death? while people mocked him the entire time. Why would God allow that? And the answer that Scripture proclaims is because he loves you. Because he loves you. I'm in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Uh, There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus that came to Jesus at night. And he's beginning to kind of question him. And he's kind of, he's he's not putting the question straight to him. But he's basically asking, like, hey, hey, Jesus, what is it? What does it take to have this, this kingdom that you're talking about? How can, I, how can I get in? And Jesus, kind of knowing his thoughts, knowing where he's going, basically just says to him, like, listen, Nick, you've got to be born again. You're, you're going to have to be born of the Spirit of God. And, and, and he's like, I, I don't understand this. And he says, like, like, flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so he just begins to proclaim to him, God is going to have to do a new work in your life. See, some of you are here today, and you've tried religion, You've, you've tried, and, and, and religion, guys, is all about the flesh. It's all about what I can do. It's all about how hard I work. It's about how good I can be. And some of you walked through the doors this morning, and that's all you've ever experienced in life is religion. And it's failed you. So like Nicodemus, maybe you're here and you're just, you're, you're honestly wondering, Jesus, if you're real, what does it take to have that kind of relationship? And Jesus just plainly speaks to him like, listen, you got to be born again. It's something completely, entirely different because God is spirit. So you have to be born of the spirit, Nicodemus, right? And then this is what he says. I'm in John chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read all the way through 21. Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. I'm going to read that again. So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. 
Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Now turn um, back to chapter 1 of the book of John. I'm going to start in verse 1, read through 5, and then skip a little bit. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. In verse 10 now, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Advent, the Word becoming flesh, is all about this on the screen, this verse. For God so loved the world. That's what Advent's about. The the answer to why, God, why would you do this, is summed up in in John 3.16. And the answer is because God loves you. The Word became flesh because God loves you. And this morning, my hope is that we'll all get a better grasp on exactly what that means. So I'm going to share three things about this love, about this God with you very quickly, and we'll be done. And here's the first thing I need you to know, ready, is that God loved you first. So the Bible declares God loved you first. I, I, now, I, I told you to thumb mark the book of 1 John. It's the, it's the fifth from the last book. And so I'm going to be all the way in the book of 1 John. And I'm in chapter 4. And I want to read with you uh, verse 7 through 10 of 1 John chapter 4. I'll, I'll give you a second to turn there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. All right, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, going through verse 10. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because, ready? Because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You guys catch that? God is love. God is love. 
That means that God is always love. It means that there is never a time that God cannot be love. It's part of his character. And so when we put that truth together with the fact that God is eternal, it means that God has always existed before we were created, has always been love. And this God, who has always existed eternally, who is in nature love, created you out of love. That he loved you first. God loved you before, before your parents could ever think about you, before your parents were ever even thought about. And so, you see, God doesn't love you because you love him. We just got to get this right. I think this is spring. God, God doesn't love you because you loved him. God didn't send Jesus because you were down here uh, screaming out, God, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Please, please love me back. Like, that's not who we are in the story. In fact, we are screamers and yellers in the story, but we're not yelling, God, I love you. We're the ones that are yelling at Jesus on the cross. Get yourself down. We're the ones yelling at at Pilate. Crucify him. That's our role in the story, right? And the Bible says in the midst of that, and at that juncture, when we are completely caught up in our sin nature, when we're captured and captivated by sin, that God loves us. Wow, God loves us. While we were haters, God loved us. You need to hear that today. Maybe you're here today, and that's right where you are. You're kind of yelling at God. You're angry with God because you lost something or somebody or because life hasn't worked out the way that you thought. And so you've been kind of shaking your fist at God. You know what God's response is? Even, even today, as you sit here angry at him, you'll note his response is, ready? How he feels towards you. He loves you. God loves you. And he loved you first. That's the first thing I want you to know. Second thing, after a cough. That bronchitis is no joke. Three weeks, man. Second thing I want you to know this morning, Ready? Not only does God love you first, but God loves you at your worst. Not only does God love you first, but God loves you at your worst. Look at this with me, Romans 5, 8. It says, but God proves his own love for us in, in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice, it, 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 look at it, it, when this love is given, right? This love of God, this gift of Jesus. I want you to see when this gift is given, right? Hey, this gift of Jesus, this love of God, it's not given when you get your act together. This love of God, it's not given when you clean up your mess. This love of God is not given when you get back up on your feet. This, this love of God is given when you are in the midst and the depths of your sin and your depravity. That's when this love of God is given, right? In other words, this love of God is given when you are at your very worst. And I need you to hear me this morning because I believe that truth is transformational. I I think it's transformational. You say, "Well, well, why is that, Pastor? Ready? Here it is. Because if God loved me at my worst when I was his enemy, if God loves me when I'm his enemy, then he certainly still loves me when I'm a child that has failed it. You hear me? If God loves me at my worst, if he loves me when I'm his enemy, then he certainly loves me when I'm his child who's just failed him, right? And Christian, you need to hear this. For some reason, we trust God when it comes to our salvation, 
We, we, we cry out to God, God save me, but, but we don't trust him when it comes to our sanctification. That means the process of daily living and walking in Christ, right? And so we cry out, oh God save me, but, but on this daily basis we don't go to him with that same confidence. God is still with me, he still wants me when I'm a child who's failed him because he wanted me at my worst. He still wants me now. And, and, and for me, that just creates fruit. Now, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you guys are saintly. Um, the pastor of this church uh, occasionally still struggles with sin, right? And, and I, I don't know about you. I don't know how it works with you, but Satan's not like my buddy. Um, and so kind of, kind of when I fail the way this typically goes, now, now I want you to hear me clearly. Um, guilt is from God. The Bible says that guilt leads us to repentance. So, so I, 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 when you feel guilty, when you mess up, and you're like, oh, I feel so bad, that's good. That's God loving you. God loves you enough to make you feel guilty so that you'll say, God, I'm sorry. So that you'll, you'll repent. So it, it's meant so that you'll confess your sin and you'll repent. That means that you'll, you'll stop facing and pursuing sin, that you'll turn around, you'll start walking in, in the opposite direction, right? Now, here's where that, that this all plays in for me. When I do that... After I, I realize I'm an idiot and I've blown it and I go to God and I'm like, God, I'm such an idiot. I've blown it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to start coming. The moment I turn around and start pursuing Jesus, Satan gets in my ear and he's like, whoa, 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 where do you think you're going? Right? Anybody else heard that voice, right? Where, where do you think you're going, buddy? God doesn't want you back. You can't, you can't just run on back to God just because you said I'm sorry. Anybody been there? Right? And that's why this truth is huge. Because listen, if God loved me at my worst, then he still loves me when as his child I fail him. Which means when the devil speaks that junk into my life after I have confessed my sin and I, I repented and I've turned, I'm starting to walk back to Jesus and the devil gets up in my, my, my ear and he says, man, you're not good enough for God. You, you can't go back to God. Like I turned this truth and I go, you know what, buddy? If he loved me when I was his enemy, then he certainly loves me as a child. Take that. And we just keep pursuing Jesus, right? But friends, you got to get a grasp on that. Listen, listen. The love of God is not just for your salvation. It is for your daily sanctification. It's meant so that we will pursue him, all right? It's a big deal. Last thing I want to share with you. Last thing. One more cough. Oh, all right. Last thing I want to share with you. Ready? God wants you to experience that love today. God wants you to experience his love today. See, all of this stuff we're talking about, this love of God, it's not just for heaven, right? It's not just so that you will get to be with God one day. The love of God is so that you can experience that love today, right? Not, not one day, but today. God did all of this so that you, get this, could become, the Bible says, his tabernacle. 
The tabernacle, that sounds familiar. Yeah, in the Old Testament, remember, God puts out that that old covenant with his people, and he says, hey, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, we got to have some rules, right? So you got to live by these rules, you know, you you got to do this, we got to have a way to atone for your sin, and I got to have a place to live. I got to have a place to live. So you got to build me a tent, and everywhere you go, you're going to take this tent with you, and I, God, am going to live with you. Now check it out, the new covenant, the tent's better, Right? The, the tent's better. I, I think it's better because it's like one of the easy pop-up things. You know what I'm saying? You've been camping lately? Right? We have two tents. We have one that has 52 million sticks, right? I, and that's why I call them. They're sticks, and, they all connect, and they're supposed to be connected by some kind of like clingy thing, but the tent's old, so it's not so clingy anymore, and it's like putting that sucker up in the rain is not fun, right? So we got the pickup stick tent, and then we have, we have the one. It's like a two-man tent, and I lie not. You take it out of the thing, and I think you like flop it, and it's up. But woo, right? Check it out. This is how much better the new, like, that's how far tents have come. Well, guess what? How much better the new covenant is. The old covenant, you had to carry around all the tapestry, and you had to carry around all the, the, the tent, right? But the new covenant is, is, is right here. That, that Jesus says, you're going to be my tabernacle. Right? I'm going to dwell in you by the power of my spirit. And so what, I, what I'm saying to you is this love of God. That we're celebrating today. Jesus coming to earth. It's not about you just being with God one day. God certainly wants you in heaven, all right? Like he wants you. This is, like Jesus came definitely for that. But that's not all he came for. And man, I know so many Christians that are just living for that one day. For, for that one day, way off in the future. They have forgotten completely about today. Listen. I don't know how that sits with you, but I thought about that this week, and I thought, Lord, I have not been living in this promise like I should be. I haven't been living in this promise that you want me today, not just one day. God, forgive me. I want to be with you today. You know, there's a verse in the book of Revelation that we use often when we're witnessing to people, when we're sharing Christ with them. And we use that verse to talk about heaven, right? And so here it is on the screen, uh, Revelation 3.20. By the way, this is a great evangelistic verse, right? I mean, if you're sharing Christ, certainly share this verse, okay? I mean, it definitely has to do with the one day heaven, absolutely, right? So this is Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea, and uh, he says this in Revelation 3.20. He says, see, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. Right? That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And so typically, this is the way that goes. You, you share the gospel, and then you say to them, kind of summing things up. So Jesus is standing at the door of your heart right now, and he's knocking. Will you let him in? Right? Have anybody ever heard that? Yeah? I, I, like, I, was, I haven't been a Christian like that long. I mean, like 20-something years. Um, and, uh, and so I, I know this. So you guys that were raised in church, you should know this, okay? All right, so behold, I stand at the door. It's a great verse for that. All right? Here's the deal. This is what we forget. That letter... Right, Revelation, specifically uh, the, the part, this is talking to the seven churches, specifically that was written to a church, a.k.a. to believers. That means it's not just about salvation because they're already saved. That means it applies to sanctification, which means right here today. Not one day, today. Jesus says to us today, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I want to come in and eat with you. And anyone who opens the door, I will come in and I will fellowship with you. Amen. When's the last time you took him up on that promise? Amen. See where I'm going? Don't wait till January 1st to try to get going. Right? If you miss Christmas Day, you missed it. Right? Don't wait till I'll start reading my Bible again in January. 
Right now, I've got to watch Hallmark movies. <laughs> if that hurts, I'm sorry. God love you. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? I don't, I don't have a big, long list of application, guys. I, 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 just, I just have this. Listen, Jesus stands ready to meet with you today. He wants to come and be a part of your life today, not just one day. He loves you first. He loves you at your worst, and he wants you today. And so that's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to invite him in today to come and meet with us, okay? And so where you are, bow your heads right where you are. Some of you have never done this before in your life, and so today may be the day of your salvation, right? Today may be the very first time you ever say to Jesus, Jesus, I know you're knocking on the door of my heart. I know that you want to have a relationship with me. I have held you off at a distance for too long. Please come into my life today. And, and for some of you, it's the very first time you've prayed that. And that's going to be awesome. And so in a second, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray a prayer with you guys who've never done this before, but you're saying, I want a relationship with God today. Um, and we're going to pray a prayer together, and that's going to be awesome. And then after that, I'm going to kind of deal with the Christians in the house that haven't been experiencing the joy of, of Jesus that they should be, okay? And so kind of just where we are, uh, those of you that have not entered into a relationship with Jesus by believing in him and confessing that he indeed is the Messiah. He's the one. He's God's solution to your sin problem. If you've never done that this morning, I want you to just, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, nobody's looking around. But if today you feel that God is knocking on the door of your heart saying, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to come in. I want to, I want to, I want to live with you. I want to dwell with you. I want you to be mine. And I want to be yours. And today, if you're ready just to surrender your heart to him, I just want you to pray this very simple prayer with me, okay? It's not magic. I want you to pray it with me anyway, okay? Just say, dear God, I just come to you right now. And I admit that I, I am a sinner, right? I mean, I am a mocker. That's, that's my role in the story but I know that you're the son of God. And I know that you have come and that you have lived a life that I couldn't, that you've died in my place. I've known it, but I've just held you off at a distance. And Jesus, this morning, I'm saying no more of that. Right now, right here, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you, would you take control? Would you be the, the Lord, my king? Would you be the king of my life? Please, please today, come in and and dwell with me. Be in charge of my life. Here I am. I am yours. Okay? Now, you, you still got your eyes closed, but if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, the very first time you said, I want you in my life, Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I just want Christ to come into my life. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Okay? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay. Now, you three... Y'all just look up here. Nobody else is looking around. You three, just look at me for a second. Not going to embarrass you. Not going to embarrass you. Just come see me at the end of the service, okay? There's going to be a lot of people come to see me. People talk, Merry Christmas, Merry. Nobody's going to know it's you three, okay? So you can put your heads back down. Act like you didn't. But I I, I just, man, I just want to give you a few pointers, okay? What to do next. What to do next. I'm so thankful for you. Church, the Bible says that anytime one person believes in Jesus. Anytime one person 
repents of their sin and comes to faith in Christ, there is a party in heaven. There's a rejoice. Can I get a what what from the congregation? Come on. Amen. Amen. Three people. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. All right. Now, Christians, is this part you've been dreading? Love you. Why? Why, God? Why me? And why, God, why me? Why do I hold you off at a distance when you've done so much for me? Why do I act like you just want me one day and not two days? And so Christians, I just want you to do business with God. Just right now, just bow your head and just, would you just say, God, I am so sorry. I get caught up in all of the trappings of this world. I'm so sorry that my love for you is, 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 is not as constant as I want it to be. I'm so sorry that I often forsake your love by not asking you to come and meet with me on a daily basis. And here's the prayer we're going to pray together. Ready? God, help me. God, help me get better at this. Teach me how to receive your love and your grace and not to feel guilty about it. Teach me how to run to you on a daily basis, not just when my world is falling apart. Teach me how to walk with you today. Oh God, please. God, please. All right? Every Christian that prayed that prayer, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. Hey guys, listen. And we love you. I love you. Um, it's, it's such a privilege to, to pastor you. I just want you to know that this Christmas should be something special. Um, now, some people ask, like, Pastor, what do you guys do? How do you keep, keep Jesus at the center? Um, I want to tell you there's some good resources out there for parents that are trying to figure out... Um, you know, what to do with the dude in the red suit and, and the beard. Um, so there's some great resources out there um, that you can find. And so uh, there's, a, there's one called What's in the Bible, and they have a special Christmas episode. I would encourage parents to watch it first without your children and see if they're ready for that kind of thing. So you do that. Here's what we do at our house. Um, Christmas Eve, we bake a big cake. Um, and we, we bake a, a cake and we decorate it Christmas Eve, right? And then we cover it. And then Christmas morning, uh, that is breakfast, is cake. Because um, that's the way, they're already going to be so excited about the present. You might as well just give them the sugar, right? I'm, and, and, now listen, before you judge me, I'm counting on a, a, like a crash later on in the day. That's, so you build them up, so, and then they open the presents, and then later on they're like, ah, and you're like, yes. Okay, so, so we do cake for breakfast. And what we do is we light, we, we, we put candles in it and we light the candles and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. So that's what we do. And then, and then before we go open anything, and this year's a little different because we're going to my mom's after Christmas Eve, so we're doing stockings. But before we even open stockings, we go and read uh, Luke uh, chapter 2. And so we read about the birth of Jesus. And I just remind my kids that, guys, what we're giving to you, these gifts, they're just a reflection because God gave us the greatest gift of his son, Jesus. So let's not forget what today is really all about. Let's make sure that we give Jesus the... So that's what we do. I'm not prescribing it. I'm just describing it, okay? I just want to challenge you. Do something to keep Jesus at the center of what you do with your family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.